0: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. And the targeting package is going to be by canvassing your online profile, which includes your online profile, but then also your family member's online profile and also your businesses online profile and also the property that you own and putting it all together and finding a vulnerability and then pressing down on that one vulnerability.
1: Welcome to the best ever show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts
0: interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Well, hi everyone. Welcome to another Wealth of Knowledge interview. And today we're going to be talking about cybersecurity and how you can protect yourself against online threats that you might be aware of, but also online threats that you might not be aware of. What information of yours is currently out there for bad guys to come across and do bad stuff with? And what can you do about that? So today we're talking to Tim Kaju. First off, Tim, how you doing, my friend? Good. Thanks for having me. Well, my pleasure. We're speaking to Tim and he's going to help us navigate all those questions. So a little bit about Tim. He's a president of the Cyan Group. He has over 20 years experience specializing in cyber research and analysis He went to the Air Force, so first off, thank you for your service in the military. I sincerely respect you and your colleagues for that. And he has a background that I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about, but as president of the Cyan Group, he and his team provides cyber executive protection, due diligence, and investigative research to high net worth individuals and corporations. So this is what he does for a living, and we're going to enjoy our time with him to learn more about how we can protect ourselves. So first off, Tim, let's start with just a little bit about yourself as it relates to cybersecurity and protection.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So I've been a computer nerd since I was about eight years old. I grew up in a family that owned a computer store, went to college, got the computer degree, but then I entered the Air Force and I had some amazing opportunities in the Air Force to travel around the world and protect our base networks from the bad guys. So acting as kind of the bad guy, see what vulnerabilities are there. And this was wonderful. After leaving the Air Force, I wanted to capitalize on that. And I got into something called open source intelligence, which is exactly what we're here to talk about today. But for the government realm, what can we find that's out there to protect our country? And that was a really great experience. I I love doing that work. I feel like there's a lot of interesting information you can find on the internet that you don't have to put other assets in place to do that. So I decided to make the move many years ago to start the Cyan Group. And I said, if we can do this for the government, imagine what we can do for high net worth individuals, public figures. We know we can help them out. So we didn't want to be the company that was just protecting routers and doing antivirus. There's this whole other overlooked area that we saw, which was finding information on the internet for our customers and getting ahead of it and helping them secure things that are out there, their social networking profiles all of their accounts, finding out when their data has been breached. So that's where we came from. And it's a very interesting realm. We don't see a whole lot of individuals that have focused on this very specific aspect of protection. We think it's often overlooked. People are like, eh, it's the internet. Eh, my information's out there. But it is a very serious topic for us. Yeah,
0: it's very serious because... Banking information being out there because of reputation. I mean, reputation. Let's put money aside. Reputation is much more valuable than anything in a bank account. Someone could do some very bad stuff that could be completely untrue, but they could manipulate things online. And if you're not staying ahead of it, then that's a problem. And that's a unlikely circumstance or situation, I imagine. But still, there's all sorts of things that could come up. So let's talk about something that piqued my interest when you were talking about your background. And that is you are pretending to be a bad guy and you would try and see where there were breaks in the system. I believe you were mentioning that was when you were in the air force, right? Working for the government. So let's not talk about that necessarily, but let's take that same principle or situation and let's apply it to a hypothetical high net worth individual. If you were to act as a bad guy and go after a high net worth individual what would be the steps that you take and what would you try to do to benefit yourself and then also make life miserable for that individual?
1: Absolutely. So we have the unfortunate experience of dealing with the adversary acting like this towards our clients. So it puts us in the position of let's pretend we're them. And we always start with a baseline for our clients. Let's pretend we are the aggressor. Let's go see what's out there. So in the first phase of any job like this, you're going to go out there and canvas, but not just the individual. You have to look at their family. You have to look at their business. You have to look at their homes. Did a child take all kinds of photos inside their house with geolocation data and post that on the internet? Did a lawyer file some company documents and have your signature all over them? And those are now publicly accessible. So it might not sound like, wow, that's not really that bad. But when we come together and we put all this information together, we have a targeting package. We mm-hmm. then know who's the most vulnerable, who would possibly respond to a phishing email. Maybe it's the younger child in the family. Maybe it's the house cleaner. So that gives us all this targeting information. The end of it by itself might seem innocuous, might seem like, yeah, so So you got my name, you got my address. Everybody knows that. But when you put it all together, it makes a huge difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Will you keep elaborating on that? Sure. As far as the targeting package goes, what that is exactly and what are the components.
1: Absolutely. So it would all come down to what the adversary wanted to do to the individual. Do they want to impersonate them? Do they want to antagonize them by showing up at their house protesting because they don't like their business or something in their political life or personal life? So we start with what would be the goal? If the goal is to threaten the person, well, then physical locations are going to matter. If the goal is to impersonate the person, then we're going to want to know what do they use for email address? What does their online social profile look like? Can we copy their Facebook and create a secondary Facebook so it looks like them but isn't them? So all of these different avenues of attack, as we call them, are what we're looking for, what is out there. Sometimes when we're doing this work, we actually find that it's already happened. And the client doesn't know that there's already four Twitter accounts and three Facebook accounts created under their name. So then we have to go down and say, all right, what's going on there? So any of these attack avenues are what we're looking for for our clients and say, this is what we need to focus on. This is what we need to look at. So one item
0: that's necessary to understand is what is the goal of the adversary? And you mentioned threat, and you mentioned impersonate. What I didn't hear is money. Now, I assume that through impersonation, then there's money involved because they're trying to impersonate someone to try and convince others to give them money.
1: Is that correct? Absolutely. We see everything from fake cyber ransoms to extortion to threats to false purchases, they try to sell them something over the internet, they approach them. We definitely see all these avenues lead to money. So while you might have two-factor authentication turned on on your bank account, which is a great thing. Everybody should have two-factor authentication turned on all their accounts. By that, I mean where it sends you a text message every time you log in. All these things are really great. But at the end of the day, if they can get to the individual and convince them to sell them some Bitcoin, or make a purchase or order something and it's fraud, that's going to be a successful economic attack.
0: Okay. What are some specific examples from clients that you've worked with or other colleagues who've worked with clients that some negative situations that have happened to individuals? I know you said you've seen cyber ransom attacks, but can you get into a couple stories of what took place with some
1: individuals? Sure. Would you like to focus specifically on the financial one or just threats in general?
0: I'd say financial one is probably most applicable because the threats, I don't imagine, now I'm speaking out of turn probably, but I imagine if someone is being hacked, the primary purpose for individuals not in the public spotlight would be to get their money, not necessarily to threaten them. But
1: first off, is that assumption correct based on your experience? Unfortunately not. Really? Yes, we have such a multitude of physical attacks. I will tell you the number one thing that we've seen in the 13 years doing this business is that it comes down to relationships. Ex-wives, ex-husbands, boyfriends, the family gardener that had to be let go. Emotions flare, and they know that they're going to get caught if they do something physical, so they resort to cyber threats. Sometimes those threats become physical when the people have mental illness or other emotional distress, they start actually coming after our clients. It's a really interesting world that a lot of these threats start in the cyber realm before they go physical. We've had individuals get on the internet and say that they are going to kill our client at a time and place of their choosing. We've had individuals that set up a multitude of websites to threaten our customer and disparage them. In those two cases specifically, they led to the Aggressor showing up at the workplace, showing up at the house. One, I will say, is currently spending time in a mental facility, getting the help that they need. The other one was dealt with through litigation. But we do see the financial ones. Most recently, we had a startup that was offered millions of dollars in funding. But of course, they wanted to give them this funding via Bitcoin, via electronic currency. Mm-hmm. And they were a foreign investor. So we were very happy that our client came to us first and said, Tim, something doesn't sound right about this. Can you look into it? And without divulging anything, we absolutely found out that it was fraud. It would have hurt our customer a lot if they would have went forward with that deal. So I think a lot of us will
0: hear that last example
1: and think, "On Tim, Bitcoin
0: investing my startup from another country. And probably to boot, they're going to ask me to deposit a little bit of money up front just for X, Y, Z reasons. It seems like a lot of us would red flag that as your client did.
1: Do people fall for that? They do. They absolutely do. We unfortunately get many calls after the fact of Tim, this happened. Can you help us get our money back? And and I got to tell you, the answer is no, right? And we'll be the first to tell them when it isn't. But some of them look very legit. The one I just told that did look a little sketchy and it triggered them, but it can look very legit. We've had most recently a worker for the house, right? And they approached that they were going to provide these services for the house. I am trying to keep this pretty clean so I don't identify anyone. And it turned out they were a scammer, right? They had done this to multiple families, house to house to house, gotten into the house and then started to steal things, to steal checkbooks, to falsify signatures on these checks and it sometimes seems very plausible, right? We have international investments, right? That's a common thing. We live in a global economy. So this company was like, hey, we're a startup. We want funding from any place. Let's not turn down any potential investor. And they sold it. They really sold that they were a real company. I'll throw out one more example that we had. A client came to us and said that they represented a travel agency and that someone had set up a fake travel agency saying that they were a subsidiary of the Mm -hmm. actual travel agency and they had sold travel packages to all these innocent people. It looked Mm. legit, especially when you're using the big name of the primary company, we're we're affiliated. So all these individuals then start reaching out to this company saying, Hey, we want our money back. So to no fault of our clients, right? They didn't do anything wrong. Not a single thing they could have done about this unless they were monitoring for their name being used on the internet. Right. It turned out that that wasn't a very large fraud ring based out of Florida. In those cases, we turned that information over to the FBI and took to prosecute that case.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Let's go back to the
0: individual who's watching this or listening to this. Without knowing that specific person, because there's a lot of people watching and listening, what can you say about generally speaking, where are accredited investors? most vulnerable online? Hmm.
1: Where are they most vulnerable online? Their social lives. I would absolutely say their social lives. Usually there's a whole security team or IT team that's protecting their corporate email, their corporate phone number, their corporate offices. But especially those that created all their social profile before their companies got bigger, before they got in the public eye, it is always the social aspect. Our largest customers our most wealthy, most biggest businesses, that's what it comes down to. They come to us and say, the attack vector came from the personal account. It came to the house. It came to the husband or wife of the individual. And it's so often overlooked because it's our personal lives, right? When we come home, we feel safe. We feel as long as we lock the door, we're good. And we've grown up, this generation, me included, has grown up on the internet. It is just part of our lives. So it's an interesting concept that You have to act differently now that you are in a public position. You have to go back and look what was out there, what accounts are out there, what's open to the public. So what can we do about that? Sure. So the way we approach it is three phases. The first that I spoke a little bit about, which is you got to know what's out there. You got to do a baseline. We usually come back with 20 pages minimum of real data. Like, hey, here's what we found out here. Here's your accounts that have been breached. Here's your accounts that are just unsecured and public that we should lock down. What's the totality of your footprint on the internet? And that's just a starting point. The second part is you have to work with the customer and say, all right, go into your Facebook, make sure it's locked down in such and such a way. Try taking these photos down with the knowledge that once stuff is on the internet, it can be there forever. And a lot of it is education. Hey, this is done. Let's just not do it going forward.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: After we have that done, all the locking down of accounts, the cleaning up of data, that's kind of phase two out of the way but that's only one moment in time. The next phase has to be, you have to monitor from the second that we come forward and say, here's what we found new stuff is coming out the very next day. So that is our biggest service we provide to our customers is our collections platform that goes out on the internet, looks at tens and hundreds of thousands of pieces of data every day for our customers and says, Hey, we found this, we found that this is what's out there. And a lot of it is just alerting, right? Hey, there's some new articles about the book you wrote. There's some new articles about the product. People are naming you personally in this lawsuit. That so they're aware of well, it. Has that been a surprise? The threat of lawsuit has been a surprise. Okay, the threat of lawsuit. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hopefully they all know about the active ones. But sometimes they don't know that it's made the public, right? Mm. They think it's in a private court and that it's not out there mm-hmm. and it's not going to be picked up, which is going to affect their brand management. So we find that the monitoring is a very important part of the process. And then the last part is you have to have someone you can go to. When somebody gets an email that's a threat that they think has a virus embedded, that there's something going on, we want to be that team. Every individual should have someone that they can go to and say, please help me identify if this is something I need to worry about.
0: Mm -hmm. So what do you do about it? First, you see where you're at by aggregating online footprints and determining where accounts have been breached where your password might be shown in places on the dark web. And then once you identify all the skeletons in the closet, then it's a matter of the second step, which is taking it down or locking it down or not doing it again or whatever the particular circumstances or circumstances are. And then the third is monitoring it for the future. So figuring out, okay, well now we know, What's out there now? We've removed it, or we won't do it again, or we've locked it down. That's the past, and now in the future, we're going to make sure we take care of it as it comes up. Absolutely. So, as far as your cyber footprint, we've got public information that's out there, we've got account security, we've got data breaches, and we've got threats. Will you just talk a little bit about each of those four for a moment?
1: Sure. Let's see. Let's start about the threats. I wanted to give one example because it really drives home how the cyber world affects the physical world. We know that many of our high wealth individuals, they like to purchase their homes through an LLC. So if their name is not on the documentation, this is a common practice. Lawyers will suggest it. It's also a way that I've identified the properties of most of our customers doing this. Because the last step is they sign the documents forming the LLC. They don't use a power of attorney. They don't use their lawyer to create the LLC. They create it. So with just a couple hops back and usually 10 to 15 minutes of work, we can discover who owns the house. So Mm -hmm. they may have paid this lawyer quite a sum of money to attempt to hide their house. And that feeling of security of like, hey, nobody can find my house. I've got it under an LLC. While we can't change what's already happened, we can at least say, hey, you're not as safe as you think you are. We need to Just put this down as a risk. It's a threat now that somebody could find out where you live. That's good info.
0: We'll get back to the show. with first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but... investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. So the solution there is when you create the LLC that owns the house, you have your attorney him or her power of attorney to sign on your behalf to create the LLC. So your name's not associated with
1: it. Absolutely. And everyone should know what's publicly available in their state. In a state like Delaware business filings are much more private. In Virginia, you can look up almost any document you'd like on a business formation. All the documents that a business will submit to include signatures are right there for public view. It's just important to know that for the state that you live in. Same thing goes for traffic violations, criminal cases, some cases, civil cases. In many states, that's now public information that you don't have to be a private investigator. You don't have to be a police officer to get to that information.
0: Okay. What about data breaches? Just an example. And just if you could talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Data breaches are are so difficult, right? Because to no fault of the client, let's pick one, the Target breach that happened, right? The Target credit card breach. We all used our credit card at Target. We did that. So to no fault of our own, that data was compromised. We don't try to protect the credit card information. That is done by a few companies. LifeLock has an amazing service. I am not paid to say that. I believe in their service discover has a new one that's coming out that focuses on the credit bureaus and credit cards being open and that data being released. So we can find it for the client. Hey, this breach has come out on your account, this and that, but we do recommend that service as well to protect against that threat. Account security. Account security. Everyone that probably is watching this and me included is guilty of one time or another using the same password across Accounts, right? Using an easy password, writing down passwords. When I was in the Air Force, if you ever wanted to break into someone's computer, you just looked at their admin's keyboard. You flip the keyboard upside down, and there's probably <laughs> a post it note with the password. Another time they asked us to get into a whole bunch of computers, making the story short, we pulled off the front of the computer, like the old desktops, and there was a post it note on the inside of them with the passwords. It's still happening. People would think that this stuff doesn't happen, but we've all been guilty of. These passwords are getting longer and they make you change them every 30 days. Yeah. So we'd recommend a password manager, which is a piece of software that you can put on your phone, on your computer that will help you manage and use secure passwords. If you have an iPhone, that is something that Apple is offering, right? When you go to create a password, it says, do you want to use a strong password? We yeah. highly encourage things like that. Do change your password. Do turn on two-factor authentication. And then be very careful about the Wi-Fi that you connect to. This is another tip, but it does relate to account protection. Sitting in an internet cafe or a coffee shop with your laptop open with all these cameras in there, everybody can walk by and record, and joining their Wi-Fi and then using your password is not something we'd recommend.
0: Okay. I actually had never thought of someone recording what I'm typing with their camera and their phone to see the password that I'm typing in. I didn't even think of that. I know that using public Wi-Fi is a risk, but I have software on my computer to hopefully prevent against that or mitigate it. I never consider, well, they could just be looking
1: at what I'm typing. Absolutely. I I said I love the people watching those scenarios, especially in the cyber protection realm. And I was just recently in a new coffee shop and everybody had a laptop open. But something's changed since COVID, at least in my opinion, a lot more are working from... These coffee shops, Mm -hmm. not just students, but they're actually spending hours and hours performing their job. And the sensitive information that I've seen brought up and the tables have gotten closer to squeeze people in, and and you can just sit there and watch. And you're like, I can't believe this. This company would not be happy that this was all being up on the screen. So Mm -hmm. we definitely recommend against doing any business. Don't connect a business laptop. I personally would never use a coffee shop Wi Fi, period. I know that's a tough choice for many, but we, we, Definitely recommend against it. If you can have a personal hotspot on your phone, that is a much better solution than using free Wi-Fi. Good
0: to know. And public information,
1: what can you describe, tell us about that, and perhaps what we can do to help? Sure. The unfortunate truth today is that public information is out there on every one of us. There are hundreds and hundreds of websites that you can find out my phone number, my name, my address. It's all out there. It's not going to go away. We still present that in our findings of like, hey, this is a baseline. This is where anybody would start. Anybody's going to start with the low-hanging fruit. It's out there. We need to know it. What's the best website to find someone's information? Unfortunately, I wouldn't say there's one. They all will give you a part of it. So maybe on Infoseek or Pipple.com or one of those sites, you'll find a little piece. You'll find an age. You'll find a birth date. We even find that we have to look across many to get the whole picture. Mm -hmm. And some of them are wrong. We see that as well. We always try to tell our clients that what we present them is what the internet said. It might not be the truth, Mm -hmm. right? If it says you have three children and these are their ages, but really you had a fourth child who just doesn't have a social media presence because they're too young. It's not wrong. It's just what the footprint shows. I guess it's public information being pulled from other websites
0: and other sources. So Unlike account security, data breach, like data breach, use LifeLock, account security, have a password manager. Is there anything
1: we can do to decrease the amount of public information out there? I'll tell you, there are some services that have tried, individuals and companies that I know. And the unfortunate truth is when you get it removed, it will probably be back within 30 days. Because the current law says they have to remove it when you request it, but it doesn't mean they can't add it back in. So the next time they buy a database and your information's there, it will show up again. So it's constant chase, right? So instead what we'd recommend is don't have your name on your phone. If you have an LLC that isn't tied to you, have your phone set up, purchase through that, right? Don't use the same phone you're going to have for your friends and family in your business life. Have the business phone, have that out there. Maybe that's the one that. Some adversaries could call you on. But as far as your personal phone, where your photos are, all your interactions with your family, have that separate. And if you can have that not purchased under your name, all the better. We talked a little bit about hiding your location, your home. That's getting very tough to do, right? Everything wants to use GPS, your location. We love to have our photos tagged to our house. It's got to be a choice. If you don't want this stuff out there, you have to give some things up in the way of convenience. Convenience is usually always at odds with security. You can have one or the other.
0: And just educate me a little bit on purchasing the phone through your LLC that's not associated to you. You would recommend basically have two LLCs, both not associated to you. One's your personal phone, or just with one LLC and the other business phone through another LLC.
1: You could do it that way. There's a multitude of ways. We even procure phones for individuals, and then we will manage the payment of those phones. So they're completely through our... The payment of the phone, meaning the phone bill? Yes. Huh. Yeah, the phone bill and everything can be managed through a third party. But as soon as that person wants to put their name, sign up for their Apple ID, and start connecting themselves to that phone, you're almost doing yourself a disservice because now you've identified that phone as you. And this method is not for everyone. We understand that this is going to be for the select few that really have threats out there or have had threats in the past. And they need that extra level of protection for everybody else, perhaps just having the passwords and having a different phone for business and commercial might be plenty.
0: You mentioned having a password manager. Mm-hmm. I've got a ton of passwords. I'm sure everyone listening has a ton of passwords and which password manager would you recommend and how do they not get hacked?
1: Hmm. I don't have a specific one that I would recommend. I've used many. I think Which one do you personally? I should know that. I should be able to say right now because it's right on my screen. So give me a second. Yeah. Um, let me get back to you on that. I have so many in play. What are a couple big ones? Let's just go with that. That way you don't have to get back to me. Yep. What are a couple reputable ones? You can use... Browser-based ones, such as the Firefox one that's built in, that one is plenty fine. The Apple iOS is a great password manager. Using the keychain in the iOS is going to be the easiest for individuals to get to. They don't have to install or download anything. If they have a Mac product, great. If they have an iPhone, it's already there. It'll sync in the cloud, secure, be right there in front of you. Okay. You mentioned Firefox. What browser is the most secure and which one's the least secure? Mm. I think whatever I'd say, I'd get flamed by all my friends in the cybersecurity realm. We've seen great advances in browsers, right? They are all doing their absolute best to get ahead of the game. Right now on my screen, I have Safari, Firefox, and Chrome all installed. I use them all. I am not a huge fan of Microsoft products. That's just a personal thing. I feel personally more safe using Mac products for a multitude of reasons That doesn't mean you can't use Windows. That's just a personal choice. I would stay away from browsers that don't update. And you may have never even heard of these because they're not as popular, but Opera. Opera is one I oh, don't Yeah, no, no one knows that one. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> stick with you know, the main ones, okay. Firefox, Google Chrome, Safari, and then Microsoft Edge. And what's really important about using any browser, though, is keeping it up to date. All these browsers will fail you miserably if you don't update the security. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. Anything else that we haven't talked about that you think we should? I think there's one important thing that I always start with my customers and it's initiating this conversation with your family. And this is my story. No aunt would ever take photos of their nephew and give it to a pedophile. They wouldn't. That's insane. But they wouldn't think twice about posting it on their public Facebook. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's the world we live in. So we always try to have a a conversation with the entire family. Let's have a social media contract, not a physical contract, but a verbal contract among the family that we won't post photos, that we won't take pictures inside the house, or that we won't say certain things online. That usually stuns clients because they're like, no, 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 I'm just here to protect myself and my wife and my children. And we're like, it has to extend to the third Aunt Edna down the road, right? Mm-hmm. It, it has to extend everyone. So start the conversation and it's going to be a concerted change in life. I don't have social media. Now I have some accounts, right? We need them for looking around, but I don't use social media. I have never posted to Facebook or Twitter in my life. I have plenty of online accounts. I shop online. I do that, but I never connect to wifi. I don't have a photo place. I don't have an Instagram account that my family can look at photos. And that's strange. That's not the norm today. A lot of people are like, what do you mean? You're only going to text me a photo.
0: But you're an outlier and most people listening aren't going to do that extreme. right? So having that contract is really beneficial because yeah. we got to meet in the middle a little bit because as you said, convenience and security are always going to be going head to head.
1: So it's just a matter of where you want to be on that spectrum. Absolutely. The second thing I would add is if something does happen, if something comes out on the internet negative, there's a negative photo or something's out there, don't do yourself your own harm by telling everyone because they're all going to click on it. They're all going to go to it. They're going to share it and they're going to make a bigger problem out of it. Keep it controlled. Go to your professional and have it handled that way so that it doesn't make its way around the company per se. Cause that usually bumps it up in the Google results because they're going to check. Is it still there? Is it still there? And their friends are doing it and then their security team's doing it. And then their lawyers are doing it and they're causing themselves a disservice. So Mm -hmm. when something happens, take a breath, step back. It's going to be emotional, but then work with a professional to approach it in the right way.
0: Would you mind sending me an example of a social media contract? Yeah, I would absolutely send you one. Sure. Thank you. And everyone who's watching and or listening, we will include that when we share this episode. So you will already see that magically in the email, the link to download that because I think that's going to be a great tool for everyone, myself included. So some takeaways that I got from this conversation among many, and first of all, thank you so much for sure. investing your time, sharing your expertise with us so that we can become more secure online. Some takeaways one, use a password manager, and some suggestions are the one that comes on your Apple device or your iPhone or browser-based one. Use two-factor authentication wherever you can. That's another takeaway. So we'll go with those are two takeaways. The third takeaway is when you're in an internet cafe or a public Wi-Fi Don't use that. Instead, have a hotspot that you can tether to from your phone to your computer. So that's number three. And I'll go think something underneath three that I wasn't thinking of that you brought up. Someone could be recording what you're typing when you type in your password. So kind of give a look over your left and right shoulder just to make sure you're not getting creeped on. Number four, data breaches. As it relates to data breaches, you said LifeLock is a great service. So there's that. Five, this is really interesting for people who are buying homes, which purchased a home through an LLC that has anonymity for you because you gave your attorney the power of attorney to sign on your behalf with the LLC. So you aren't at all associated to that LLC. I think that was five, six, social media contract. Tim will be kind enough to give us an example of that. You'll have that to download when we share this interview out. And what are we on? Are we on seven? Is, that, is this number seven? I think, I think seven. so. I think so. I didn't number them on my nose. I was just highlighting in yellow. So number seven, if anything does happen negatively online, don't share it out with your friends or family. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. That's just going to make it worse. It's going to pop up more in the search results. Go to professional and get it taken care of. And let's do number eight, last one, number eight. If you are a bad person looking to target people online, then most likely you're going to put together a targeting package, whether you use that term or not. And the targeting package is going to be by canvassing your online profile, which includes your online profile, but then also your family members' online profile and also your business's online profile and also the property that you own and putting it all together and finding a vulnerability and then pressing down on that one vulnerability and targeting that. So we've got to be mindful of all those things. Anything I say not accurate, did I not capture it
1: correctly? No, that was a great synopsis. If someone who's watching wants to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? Sure. They can definitely contact us via our website, which is com. So T H E C Y A N G R P.com. I can send you that link. There's a form right there. They can reach out to us and we'll be happy to contact you and, and see how we can help. One final question If I'm the ultimate bad guy, wouldn't you be the holy grail to crack
0: because you've got all these clients who have their private information with you?
1: Sure. I'll absolutely talk about that. That is a really important part. We usually don't do that in a first conversation, but you ask, I'm happy to answer. A lot of individuals doing this work will come out of the same IP address, right? The same point. They will have their data unsecured. When we do this research, we have the knowledge to push our traffic out through cloud nodes using Amazon cloud nodes and different things and go out and collect the information differently every time. We have strict protocols on purging information. Because of the realm that my employees and myself came from, we're extremely cautious on how we encrypt our data, clean our data. We probably take it to a level not many have seen before because we just think it's that important. You'll never see us doing our research in an internet cafe. You'll never see us coming out of the same IP address twice. We even wipe browsers between client research. Um, it has to be handled that carefully. We offer our clients other ways of transmitting data to us than email. We see a lot of times like, Hey, I want to send you this in email. Email is not encrypted. It is in the clear. So sending me something sensitive is something we discourage. We have other ways of protecting that data. So it is a full life cycle protection of the data. Thank you for investing your time with us. Really appreciate
0: it. You've given a lot of really good tips and some practical things and, I appreciate
1: everything we discussed. So have a great day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.